0: What's up, all you freaks? I am Justin. I'm Josh. Did you know the Marine Corps mascot is an English bulldog named Chesty? This mascot was named after Marine Lieutenant General Lewis B. Chesty Puller. The only Marine to earn five Navy crosses. That's very badass. And this is the Do Life Project. Cheers, buddy.
1: How many crosses? Five. Okay. Now, having not
0: served, I'm assuming that that is very impressive. So, I'm pretty sure the Navy Cross is one of the highest... I don't know, because I'm not in the Marines and I'm not in the Navy. I'm Army. So, But I think the Navy Cross is uh, one of the highest medals that you can get in the Navy. Lucky for us, our guest today, uh, Cutter Corley... Is a Marine Corps and L.E. veteran, so he'll be able to answer that for us in a second. Beautiful. Um, He founded Savage Americans at the beginning of 2022. He and the other veterans and team members, uh, a part of the company, live a particular lifestyle that they describe as unapologetic Savage Americans. And that lifestyle includes being self-reliant, having a strong work ethic, and staying true to their roots. Cutter. Welcome to the podcast, brother. Welcome.
2: Guys, I appreciate you having me on today.
0: All right, so educate us about Navy Crosses.
2: Yeah, it's definitely up there. Um, I've been out for a few years now, but uh, I believe it's one of the highest medals you can achieve while still being alive.
0: Okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Some of them, you got to die. That's amazing. For the most part. Like Medal of Honor? Yep. You probably got to die. Yeah. There's not a lot of us that that live and, and earn that shit, so... Did you do you know Did you know this? Did you know that it was uh, after this lieutenant general?
2: Uh yeah. Uh, I actually did a uh, post on our page the other day. It's the two hundred forty seventh Marine Corps birthday on November tenth. So I did a post with the on there.
0: No kidding. Love it. Very cool. Very cool. I didn't know that. Uh, I knew that that was a mascot. I didn't know. I didn't know it was named after the general there. Uh, Cutter, why don't we go back to the very beginning? Learn a little bit about you, learn a little bit about the team, learn a little bit about Savage Americans, and uh, get this awesome mission statement out there. Where did you Where you grow up? I know you're in Colorado now. Did you grow up there or somewhere else?
2: Yeah, I was, uh, I was born and raised up in Fort Collins, Colorado, for the most part. That was up north. Um, my parents were kind of blue-collar workers and uh, started their own business. My dad has been tattooing since 87, uh, oh, so he's been in the business for a while. That's awesome. I was a, uh, a shop up in Fort Collins had one in Greeley for a little while, and then opened up a third shop over in England. Uh, we lived out in Worcester, England. So what? Uh, what?
0: That's wild. For, yeah. Wow. Is he, he still tattooing?
2: The, uh, the international American dream. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> is he still tattooing?
2: He is. Yeah. They still have their shop up in Fort Collins, but uh, since then they have closed down the one in Greeley and in England.
0: That's pretty sick. So what was what was childhood like? Growing up with, with entrepreneurs as parents?
2: Uh, I think it was really good. Um, didn't see a lot of dad when I was younger, just because he was holding down the fort and everything like that, but he was still uh, still showing up for sporting events. And I got a pretty unique childhood because I got to meet Chad from all over the world and bikers. And my dad grew up you knowing Hells Angels and Banditos and all those guys. So I, I got kind of a, a culture shock at a very young age.
0: That's pretty awesome.
2: Some of the people that uh, culture kind of looks down on sometimes are usually some of the most respected and nice people in their communities.
1: 100%. Yep. Yeah. Again, the, the kindness, and I'm glad that you call that out, is like second to none. That's a, that's a great
0: point.
2: Very welcoming.
0: When At what age did you guys move over to England?
2: Uh, So I was doing that on and off. We do like six weeks on, six weeks back in the States from the time I was about seven until early teens.
0: Wow, that is a cool life experience, definitely. were there things that you noticed Not that were flight. that were drastically different from Colorado versus versus england
2: uh i mean the the whole culture out there is a little bit different. um people for the most part are really nice, but I mean most of the kids, some of the guys that I knew, were getting ready to start going to the bars at sixteen so um, <laughs> yeah, they were <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit different. Actually one of the my good buddies that I grew up with, uh, he was enlisted over in the UK and served in the uh the British Royal Army.
0: That's pretty awesome you get out there to see him.
2: Uh I haven't for a while. He was uh he was stationed out in uh uh I want to say Croatia for a while. Um and that's I think that's the last time I talked to him, so
0: There are worse places to be stationed. Yeah. That ain't bad. <laughs> that ain't bad. So growing up, were you someone
1: that knew you wanted to be in the military i know you said that one of your friends also joined growing up like or was it an event that happened or what prompted you to join the military and the marines
2: yeah um so i always kind of knew that i wanted to get in and uh i I would say probably about 15 i knew that it was the military but i grew up watching james paul obviously going over to england and that was that was just the coolest thing i he was in like third or fourth grade and my grandma bought me a little tuxedo and I wore that thing to school every day. And just I love I it. it. That's awesome.
1: That's so good.
2: <laughs> and uh, with, with him having his commander background, I, I figured that I should probably uh, get the military experience. And that's kind of what pushed it.
1: Very cool. Out of curiosity, yeah. do you own an
0: Aston Martin?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I do not. That not was yet. Pretty cool <laughs> though. <laughs> not <laughs> yet. All right. Yeah, no. you, it's one though.
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't know how practical an Ashton Martin would be in Colorado. Either. Probably not. Probably die. Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> you yeah, know, not great. Yeah, not great. Um, how? How? This is a question that I always like to to ask uh, anybody who's who's served. How old were you and where were you when nine eleven took place?
2: Yeah, um, I was actually in elementary school. I, I think I was sixth grade, something like that. Same here. Uh, Me too and uh was sitting in class and everybody got kind of weird i went to a smaller elementary and uh my parents were actually making a trip over to the uk that day and they had a flight out of new york um and we lost contact with them for a while so my grandma came to school picked me up we went home watched the news and we were we were sweating pretty hard cuz we couldn't could not get in touch with my parents and we knew they were flying out of the new, new york airport
0: that's fucking that's terrifying scary shit yeah that's terrifying I know that you said that you knew from the time you were 15 that that you wanted to join the military. Do you feel like, um, like for, for example, I, I, it happened when I was in sixth grade as well, and they like rolled in the TV and we watched the planes crash into the building, the second plane crash live on TV. Um, do you feel like that had any bearing on the drive or the want to sign up and serve?
2: I definitely think that was a contributing factor. Um, I feel like me personally, though, I mean, and I'm sure you get it, haven't been into, but there's some guys that just kind of feel it in their bones and they know, like, hey, whether it's four or whether it's a lifetime, like, this is something I have to do. Yeah. And I feel like I kind of always had that drive, but uh, after 9 11, I definitely think that was one of those things that it's like, wow, we we banded together as a country, and it was just even that much more of a push to get in.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I same you can sort of tell the the guys that joined up for college right to get their college paid for versus the guys that are like I want and need to do this I want and need the camaraderie and the experience of it not to say that one is any lesser than the other uh or any better than the other but I think it is it's a it's an obvious thing uh when you're when you're inside of the the machine
2: <laughs> yeah absolutely
0: so what made you choose the Marine Corps as opposed to any of the other branches?
2: Yeah, so uh, I, I grew up wrestling, and uh, I was ranked second in the state for a while at a division, uh division, essentially D1. It was a 5A school, but uh, Division one for high school. And uh, I had that team, and it was just strong work ethic, everything like that. And most of my time we went to that. Um, and at seventeen I really wanted to get in. I was kinda getting a little stir crazy and my parents told me to know. I was trying to trying to become a grunt and then go force recon. And they are like, No, you're seventeen, you gotta pull your head out of your Fucking ass oorah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: get
2: some education or something. Um uh, yeah, so I, I was trying to do that. They wouldn't sign off on it, so I, uh, I ended up going to University of Northern Colorado for a semester, and uh, finally had the reins off a little bit and drank my way out of my first semester of college. Uh, my mom likes to say I, I majored in girls and booze. So. Like a true, <laughs> like a true enlisted man. <laughs> exactly.
1: I love it. That's awesome. But
2: got in, got in at nineteen. Um, realized, well, I was just turning nineteen, and realized that uh, I, I needed to. Change something and knew that was kind of always the past. So I figured, what the hell? Why not sign up? Ended up signing up the day of D Day. I signed my contract, and uh, two days later, I told my dad, and he was pretty pissed that uh, I didn't come talk to him first. But worked out in the end.
0: Did you did did you immediately go into the Marine Corps office, or did you talk to the other branches, or was it just this is no? This is the branch I'm doing.
2: That was the branch I was doing. I was, I mean, the recruiters when I was younger always told me it's like, if I play JD, when you play varsity and haven't done sports my entire life, I figured, what the hell?
0: Yeah. That's not a shot. That's not a shot at all. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's awesome. That's hilarious.
0: It's not a fucking shot at all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all my army guys out, okay? know You guys are good.
0: No disparity. Uh, see, the, 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 the siblings can make fun of each other. It's when other people start making fun of us that, that it becomes a problem. I respect
2: that. Oh,
0: 100%. What was uh, – are you a, a Hollywood Marine, or did you go to Paris?
2: Yeah, I was a, I was a Hollywood Marine. It didn't take me long to get there. Like I said, I, uh, I enlisted on D-Day, and uh, I shipped out for boot January 7th. So not even a month later, I wasn't in the pool very long um was in way better shape than most of the other guys trying to go at the time so they're like yep you're ready we're we're sending you
0: fuck yeah uh-huh. what was uh what was initial entry training like or boot camp what was boot camp like for you like were you squ- i mean you said you were in shape were you like squared away or you know a little bit of a soup sandwich or do you think you earned not most improved how was that experience? Uh, I
2: definitely don't think I was most improved. I I went in uh, with kind of the mindset of I'm gonna go in and just crush this. Um, and my wrestling background definitely helps with that. But my my mom likes to joke around. She was like, "Yeah, you were prepared. I was more of a DI than most of those uh the, most of the sergeants that were <laughs> running your course." So, uh, um, I, I like to give her a little bit of props on that. She was she was pretty hard on me as a kid, and it helped me keep my head straight when I was in
0: it definitely makes it my my stepdad uh was in the army and uh was very much a drill sergeant growing up and when i went to boot camp i was like fucking i've i've lived with this for the last fucking 10 years <laughs> this is it actually got me in trouble cuz like dude you know the shit that they say is fucking hilarious hilarious yeah. the things that come out of their mouth and and a lot of people are like scared cuz they're i mean they're fucking you know they're bad dudes but I was like, "Yo, that's hilarious, dude!" And I'm used to getting screamed at, so I'm I'm laughing, and getting in trouble. <laughs> um, what was your What was your MOS in the Marine Corps?
2: Yeah, so I uh, I started out as a 5811, which was an MP, because um, my parents were like, "Yeah, you need some practical skills when you get out." That's their their big thing was I needed to have something that would transition to a job. Yeah. Um, and I I wasn't I wasn't super stoked about it, um, especially once I got in. Like you go in and you're like, Oh yeah, MP that doesn't sound too bad and then everybody starts giving you shit and they're like, yeah, Oh, you yeah. blue Falcon yeah. This, this <laughs> and that <so. laughs> Yeah. I got a lot of that when I first got in. But uh I ended up getting a secondary MOS of fifty eight sixteen, which was the special reaction team operator. Okay. Um, so I got to work with like secret service guys and little SWAT teams and kicked in some doors and did helo ops and all sorts of stuff. I was attached to uh Barack Obama security detail when he was out in the Pacific region. So we were we were teaming up with those guys, and I got my designated marksman cert. So I, I was uh running around with an M110 and stuff like that. So got to do some cool guy stuff, for even being in that that Blue Falcon, MOS.
0: It's uh, it's nice. It's nice when you get a a taste of the cool guy stuff. Cool guy stuff. Yeah. I like you just called it the cool guy stuff. Yeah. 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 Yeah, same. I got thing. a buddy
2: who uh just graduated Robin Stage today that's actually been helping oh, me out with our shit. Graduated with his Green beret. So uh, wow. he's getting ready to go to language School, but solid dude, and I consider that cool that stuff. So fucking getting to do a little heck. bit of what he got to do was solid.
0: God, his life is about to get so much worse, dude. That language school is fucking treacherous. Oh, I bet it. That language school is treacherous. But good for him. Good for him. That's awesome. Tell him congrats from us. Absolutely that's super cool. so cutter, were you
1: did you do any deployments?
2: Uh, so I didn't do any combat deployments um, I my main duty station for the longest that I was in was out in Hawaii so I was stationed out at k Bay um, and like I said, I got attached to some of the security details so we were doing some dignitary security for presidents and anytime people would come out to that specific region because we had Camp Smith on Oahu as well, which is where all the generals would go to essentially have their meetings. So we got to meet some SEAL guys, work with some of them that were stationed out at Pearl Harbor, um, work with some of the guys that were rotating out through federal agencies and stuff like that. So I spent most of my time either in Hawaii Pacific region or stateside.
0: That's really cool. So transitioning back relatively, relatively easy.
2: Yeah. I, I don't think I had any complaints and, uh, Yeah, it it wasn't too crazy. I mean, uh, we kind of joked around. And Hawaii is where Marines go to die because (laughs) even if it's your first duty station, like you you just not seeing the action you want to see. Yeah, yeah. most people end
0: up. Yeah, I feel like uh, people outside of the service don't understand that that mentality where uh, people who are in are generally yearning for that combat deployment. Right. And I, this is something I'm not sure if you're the same way I imagine you were. Um, this is something I thought about a lot. And the conclusion that I draw is we spend I've spent the last 14 years training for war. To not use those skills, it's like, how do you know if they work if you don't actually go and use them, you know?
2: Yeah. So yeah, have taking the nuts, man, honestly.
1: See, and. and- Having not served, I find that to be very interesting.
2: I, I get it from
1: the standpoint of, like, again, I spent all this time to learn how to do this very specific thing. I want to know if I can do it. I get that. Yeah. But the other side of the coin, I I just don't get. But, again, a big I big
2: part of it, too, is you kind of feel like a lesser man sometimes. Yeah. Like, you signed up to go do this. And, you, I mean, a lot of guys... I've talked to guys all over the spectrum because even guys that are helping me out with the business, we've got a, a recon Marine. Obviously, like I said, my buddy just got through the Green Berets and he's been helping out when he can. We've got guys that were SEALs and all sorts of stuff. And seeing both sides of it, even when you're into those cool guy units and you're not getting to do the rotations that you wanted to do, you feel kind of like a lesser lesser dude or like you're you're not living up to what you signed up for. But after talking to some of the old vets, Vietnam guys, Desert Storm, they're like, no nah, man, there's there's nothing to sweat. You still signed that contract. You shouldn't feel worse. And that was that was kind of something that I battled with, and was kind of relieving to hear what I talked to those guys that were doing two, three deployments, uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, Desert Storm, stuff like that.
0: That I, I've I've never thought about it. I've never thought about it in that way. I agree with you. The moment you said it, I was like, yeah, that's exactly how you feel. You feel like a lesser guy. I also feel like. um there are dudes who have done seven, and there are dudes who have done none. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I could take three of those, and that guy didn't have to do seven. He could have done four. Or I could take four of those, and he wouldn't have had to do seven. He could do three. Fair. Okay. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's like, it's to what Cutter's saying. It's like, uh, you don't really feel like you're carrying your weight. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I, okay. Uh, When, when yeah. did you? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Cutter. Sorry.
2: Go ahead. No, no, no. You go, brother. I was just going to say, um, like even some of the guys in my class uh, that were doing the same thing, got in with PSEs and stuff like that. They still rotated over with admirals. So when they were trying to wrap up in Afghanistan, because I was kind of in that weird time where it was the end of 2012 to uh, like beginning 2018. So we we were kind of, we were tuning down there, but there were still guys that were doing some, I wouldn't even call them deployments, but they were doing detachments to Afghan with PSDs and stuff like that. Yeah, a little rotations feel- out and in. Yeah, it made me feel not great knowing that some of my classmates were doing that. But I mean, you you roll with the cards that you're
0: I was gonna say, you know, sometimes it's just what can you do? <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. like it's it's a matter of circumstance and situations. And dude, I've I've volunteered, I've I've volunteered for probably six at this point, and it's the majority of the time, it doesn't, it just doesn't pan out. You know, but it is what it is. Um, when did you decide to ETS from the Marine Corps?
2: Um, so I was coming up on a contract to renew, and uh, we were out doing an op, and uh, we were doing a heel insertion on a 53. And uh, I was always the point guy on our team. I was short and stocky, so they were always having me go first. And That's uh, me, baby. We up- That's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thick boys Holy for fun. life. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, man, uh, we were doing an op, and uh, I went out the hellhole on a fast rope, and my feet got kicked out from rotor wash, I clamped out with my arms, burnt the shit out of my arms, and uh, took a, like, 10-15-foot fall and full kit on my oh, back yeah. and shoulder, uh, got pretty jacked up, and went in to, I, I was trying to suck it up for a while, and went in to get it checked out, and I had some uh, vertebrae that were all jacked up and deteriorating. Uh. so they, they told me I was no longer usable in the core, and uh, gave me my papers and sent me on my way. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't really my choice.
0: So you're in the club until you're not in the fucking club.
2: That must be tough though. Exactly.
1: Yes. Yeah,
0: dude. They throw you away like I mean that's that's sort of the that's the sort of the shitty side of this whole thing is like mm. once they're done with you, they're done with you. And there's wow. not a lot that you can do about it. Wow. Um do you feel like the armed services as a whole does enough for the guys that are coming out and integrating from an active duty role back into civilian life, whether that be from a medical perspective, whether that be from a professional integration. And because you and I know, like, we talk a different language, right? Even you and I talk a different language, right? 0311 yeah. uh, three, versus an 11 Bravo. And, like, we, while we can sort of understand each other, we also talk a different language, and what I find is a military resume is very hard to translate to corporate America. So, from from that perspective, professional, whether you know, family life, medical, do you feel like the armed services does enough for the guys that are transitioning and the girls that are transitioning back to civilian life?
2: Yeah, I mean that's kind of a that's kind of a difficult question to tackle. It's loaded. Um, it's I loaded do, for sure. There. Is a lot of stuff there in place um and not necessarily just the armed services but I mean even the VA I, I like to give the VA shit because their hospitals are pretty awful but uh there's a lot of programs in place they just don't let you really know about them like even when I was going to task and stuff they try to give you some resources but it's still pretty vague and uh there's something out there for everybody um one of the guys that I was working with uh just recently he works for the Northern Colorado Veteran Resource Center and he was talking about uh like vocational readiness where essentially you could use that as your GI Bill and as long as you're you're going to school full time, they'll hook you up with a computer. There was a disabled vet that had a bad back and they bought him a chair because he had to sit in a chair for eight hours a day doing classwork. They hooked him up with something that he could actually handle. Wow. So there's there's stuff out there, but I don't think they make it as readily known and available as they should.
0: I completely agree with you. That has been my biggest gripe, is that there are not only, like you said, not only uh, armed services, not only um, uh, the VA, but you have these external organizations like the DAV, right, the Disabled American Veterans Association, and, and a plethora of others that have amazing resources, and there just doesn't seem to be the liaison that connects the person that's getting out to all of these resources,
1: do you think that's yeah. a,
0: that's a product of they're just
1: not being enough focus on it, or do they think that they're doing a good job and it's just
0: being yeah. missed? From my perspective, it's a, yeah. it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a byproduct of trying to get things done fast. Okay, we need to get this person out now. Once you're out, it's you're out. Like I said, once you're out of the club, you're out of right. the club. You know, um, they probably feel like they're doing a good job. You know, I don't know. What do you think, Cutter?
2: I think they think they're on top of it uh, because the TAPS program has not changed in decades. It's really the same stuff. They let you know about the GI Bill. They let you know, like, hey, this is your daily budget. How are you going to pay for your house? And then they kind of call it at that. And uh, I, I think that. It's very much it's a two-week class that you go to, and instead of going to your unit, you get assigned to that. And they think that in that two weeks, they give you these resources, and then it's kind of on you if you apply any of them or seek anything out yourself after those two weeks are done. They don't do any kind of follow-up, but they don't have anybody touch base with you after you get out or anything like that. So yeah. I definitely think there could be some better execution in the logistics there. Got you.
0: Let's, uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about Savage yeah. Americans. Tell me tell me about the idea. Tell me about starting it up. Tell me about the team. Hit me hit me hit me with the story.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I was working as a deputy chair for a while and uh blew out my knee while I was working law enforcement. Um and I was I just called it at that. I was like, All right, my body can't take anymore of this running and gun and stuff. Um and at that time I had kind of built a community of friends around me that are more like family. Um, and it's, it's kind of ironic. None of them are guys that I served with, but 99% of them are all former service guys. Um, and we'd like to call it church, but we'd all get together and drink a 30 rack on a Sunday and just kind of shoot the shit. And, uh, so we've been doing that now for five, six years of us getting together, drinking and just kind of sharing stories and, uh, Shooting, shooting, ideas off of each other.
0: Well, Justin and I and are that's coming. Kinda, that's <laughs> Justin, so cool. Justin and I are coming. <laughs> we're coming to Colorado. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, you guys
2: are welcome many times.
1: That,
2: that's we just we try to bring people into the fold when we can. If we meet a new vet or somebody who's struggling, we're like, "Hey, man, like, I, you just got out. Come grab a beer, even if you hate it. You can, you can never come again if you don't want to, or you're welcome." And uh, we've just kind of been adding people in. And uh, after our, after I got hurt. I knew I needed to do something else and we were kind of talking about how uh, it'd be cool to, to share more with people because it feels like a lot of the direction of where the country's going now is getting away from kind of like that self-reliance and that old school roots that America came up on where it's like, hey, you can make shit happen for yourself as, as long as you're willing to go out there and roll up your sleeves and get to it. So that's kind of where the concept of it came behind because we're all hunters, we're mechanics blue collar workers we got guys that are linemen and everything like that so we kind of wanted to reinstill that idea of work ethic the blue collar the self-reliance the hunting the taking care of your family taking care of yourself while still offering a community for those people and giving back to them so that's kind of where our uh, our nonprofit side came into it where um we obviously needed to take care of ourselves and spread the message so we could Pay bills, but we also want to make sure that we're taking care of those people that are transitioning out that don't have the resources. Um, so we've been donating off of every product that we sell. We give back a portion to those guys that are either in need or uh, suffering. So,
0: do you? Do you, I'm, I'm sorry. No, I just want
1: to say real quick that, and I've said this to Josh before too, that the the community aspect and the relationship and the camaraderie that comes from serving, and I think that's amazing, and I think it's great what you're doing. And again, having people come in, if you need help, whatever. I, I find that to be like borderline awe-inspiring the relationship that comes out of serving. I have other friends too that have served. And I, again, I just want to say that it's, it's amazing. I find that to be amazing.
0: It's a very odd instant connection. For you know, in most cases, in some cases you're like fuck that guy, but <laughs> in, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. In, in you know, ninety eight percent of the time, um, it's, amazing. it's an instant connection. Yeah, I I I I love that. I love what you guys are doing. Um, tell me a little bit more about the philanthropic side. Uh, so you're 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 donating. Are you donating to individuals that you that you know of from their personal stories? Are you donating, and working with a, a particular nonprofit? Do you guys have your own nonprofit? How does that work?
2: Yeah. So um, it it started out like I said. We we, we built this apparel company, and we want to expand. Uh, once we get a little bit bigger, to allow all of these guys to do, like you said, not a military resume doesn't always transition when you get out. So we wanted to eventually open it up to anybody who is passionate about something. We've got guys that love woodworking. So we, uh, I invested in a, a laser engraver and some rotary tools and stuff so they could start building bottle openers and cutting so boards dope. and
0: yeah, flags, sick.
2: whatever they wanted to do. Um, but my goal is to bring in as many veterans as I can. So that's kind of the first aspect of it. Is I, I want to take care of my inner circle right now, those vets that I've been bringing to church and have them doing the jobs they want but i would like the company to get to the point where if veterans are hitting me up and they're like hey i'm lost man um i can offer them a job be like hey what are you passionate about you want to do computer stuff or you want to work with your hands um and that's that's kind of where it started for us and since then we realized like a lot of these bigger companies like grunt style and nine line they, they've got the money to just drop 5k yeah. on sponsoring yeah. offering in a river for run or uh, the ruck which i think those are pretty cool but we we just don't have the funding to do that. So we we're looking at how can we do this at a micro level. And we started out with just a couple organizations. Um, I think our first one that we donated to was Save Our Allies when they were sending U.S. guys to Ukraine. They needed money for body armor. So we ran a, a Russian warship. Go fuck yourself. And uh, I know there's the, the that's fucking awesome. That.
0: Hell yeah, that's awesome. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I know people will say the story's not true, and it's, it's probably not, but I mean, we were able to do good stuff for U.S. guys. Hey, out never, it, so I really never let it. the
0: truth get in the way of a good story. Exactly. Okay? That's a great yeah, fucking 100%. story.
2: Yeah, man. Um, since then, uh, we've donated to, we realized we weren't doing enough, because we were just going to donate off of that shirt, um, and then we opened it up because... Not everybody believes the story, so we opened it up to every product. We were like, all right, cool. We're going to do a percentage of everything we sell. We're going to donate to this organization. And uh, we were able to get some body armor for them. Then we realized that that, that just still wasn't enough. We didn't we didn't feel right just giving it to one organization, so we started opening it up to others. And on our contact form, we opened it up. And it was like, hey, is anybody know of a charity or a nonprofit or somebody in need that needs help? And since then, I've had people send me messages on email or Facebook or whatever, hit me up. They're like, hey, can we do this? Uh, is there anything you can do? So we haven't turned anybody down this ass so far. I've had guys ask for the police fraternity in Kansas City, Missouri, and we donated like 30 shirts for them to raffle off. Um, we had a veteran suicide, and he worked for a nonprofit charity. And because it was a suicide, his family had some expenses that they couldn't cover. Um, so we donated to them so they could raffle some stuff off, send some cash. Um, we had a guy that got out of AA. And uh, he wasn't quite homeless, but he was he was struggling and didn't have new clothes. He hit us up and was like, hey, is there anything you guys can do? Told him that we didn't have the funds to, to get him back on his feet, but I could at least get him outfitted in some new clothes. So we sent him some stuff. Um and right now, we're giving to Canines for Warriors. Uh, they've been pairing veterans with service dogs, uh, vets with like PTSD, TBI. So it's a great organization. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. But that's that's kind of the transition of it. It started out as us just feeling guilty for not being able to take care of people.
1: That's awesome, man.
0: I love that. That's such a great story.
1: How did um, being a Marine help you? In terms of skill set for building this business, or did it hinder you?
2: Um, I, I think it hindered me a little bit. They, they I mean, obviously, they call us crayon eaters for a reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> you said it. You said it. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know anything about starting this business. And uh, I've definitely hit the ground running and been learning as I go. I've taught myself how to build websites and uh, taught myself how to screen print. So we could build our own shirts and cut down costs and laser engraving and all that shit. I just, I, somebody tells me about something new and I'm like, all right, cool. I guess I'll figure it out.
0: Yeah. People, people don't think about that. Right. When, when you're starting something new, it's like, you're not like, oh, I have this great idea. Okay. Well, you have to be the CEO, the CFO, the CIO. You you gotta be you gotta be the marketer. You gotta be the salesperson. You gotta be the you gotta be everything. You gotta be the product guy? Yeah, you gotta be the yeah. product guy. You gotta be the QC. You gotta you literally gotta be everything. And, you know, there there are success stories out there of guys learning it on the fly. We talked about Nick Bear yep. last week, you know, with BPN performance. Learning business by doing business. And um I don't think that's necessarily a bad way to go. No. So, Cutter, do you feel like the fact that you had
1: to kind of figure out a lot of the stuff that you're in a, I don't want to say a better position, but you feel more comfortable when, say, something comes up and you're like, okay, just another thing I need to learn?
2: Uh, for the most part, I try to have the mindset of that and tackle it. But uh, so like this past month. Um, I, I dropped probably 10 grand in a marketing agency and marketing platform, and they, they kind of stiffed me on the short end of that. Yep. But uh, so now I'm, <laughs> yeah, 100%. So now I'm going back through and I, I'm having to teach myself how to do Facebook marketing and new content. Like I, I went and invested some money on a high end camera and built a studio in house. Because a photographer wanted to charge me 1500 bucks
0: for a one-day shoot. And I was like, I could set up a whole studio for that. Yep, 100%. <laughs> yep. 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 And it's funny because dollar for dollar, and I've run A-B testing on this, dollar for dollar when it comes to advertising, hiring a marketing agency, which I've done exactly like you, Cutter, versus shooting your own Little video, whatever, 10 seconds, whether you know it's, it's uh, the shirt's being printed, it's a mission statement, whatever it is. doing that in a, in a nice professional looking studio and investing, say, a thousand dollars into Instagram and Facebook ads or YouTube ads or whatever, the ROI is exponentially better. I believe it. It's ridiculous. They are the ones that I've worked with and everybody I've talked to, those marketing agencies aren't great. They're not great. Um, I know that the team is super important to you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the guys that, that are in there, sort of day in and day out, give us a little insight into, into the team that you got around you.
2: Yeah. So, uh, most of the guys are, are doing this voluntarily. So we, uh, we pick up a little bit more, like I said, we're still pretty new. We started at the beginning of the year. Um, so most of these guys are just are helping out as they can, and they still have their day jobs and families and stuff like that. So I'm running the day to day for the most part, and then these guys will rotate in, give me a couple of days each, each a week, and it, it's really awesome. Um, one of my buddies, Zach, uh, he actually was the one who kind of got us started on making our own products. His dad had been doing some T-shirts as a side gig, and uh, he's a he's a carpenter and runs his own business with that, and traded his dad. Um, a home renovation for us to get our whole screen printing set up because it was about $7,000 uh, investment cost. We had to get the heaters for baking the shirts. We had to get the screen printers, new screens, ink, all of that. People, people don't see the, the backside of T-shirts. Like you see your $30 T-shirt or $20 T-shirt, and you're like, oh, yeah, that, that can't be too crazy. They're only charging that. But it's thousands of dollars and hours of learning how to do it up front.
1: Yes, it's yes. It is there's much more that goes into that than people think.
0: What what are you and this is another loaded question. What Uh-oh. are what are you guys hoping to achieve with Savage Americans? 5 years, 10 years, the ultimate goal, whatever it is. I don't know if you guys have had that conversation yet, I imagine. I imagine you in some capacity have what, do, what are you hoping to achieve with, with uh, the company?
2: Um, I, I mean, we've obviously got our goals set up, and I try to be a little bit more conservative with these. Um, like I said, it, my, my five-year goal is to be self-sustainable enough that I can bring all those guys that are in the church right now, bring them in full-time, have them doing the stuff that they love to do, and allowing us to get it back to whoever reaches out to us in some capacity. That's, that's my five-year goal um is just being self-sustaining there and i would say like my my life dream for the company uh big big head dream i guess is the best way to yeah say put it, it, is, put it uh, in the
0: universe put it out there yeah what is it
2: exactly uh I, i'd like to be a company the size of the grunt style or nine line one of those guys eventually but i know a lot of their stuff um uh, like it's still pretty limited so we like i said we want to expand it even more we want to be doing woodworking if somebody likes to work with metal we want to offer the ability to create art with that um so being being a multi-million dollar company where i can do what black rifle copy did where their their ceo was like hey i want to hire a thousand vets this year and their hiring a team and their their budget was like you're, you're fucking crazy man that's not going to happen and they made it happen so that's my big thing is i want to be able to, to bring on as many vets that are looking for some purpose in their life and driven and helping out those guys who Maybe don't want to be a part of the company, but still need, need a hand up in life because right, at the end of the day, we're all, we're all in this shit show together. So. Yeah,
1: that's a fact. That's awesome, man.
0: Well, I, for one, uh, I love, I love the, the logo from an aesthetic perspective. I love the logo of Savage Americans. So what I would love to see at some point in the future, I, I do jujitsu cutter. What I would love to see is that logo on a gi. <laughs> I'd rock that motherfucker yeah, okay, dude <laughs> That that it's I love the name I love the message I love the mission statement I love the logo Um, ah, I love the philanthropic side of things I love what you guys are trying to do The community Like we need We need more of that We need more of that Not only in our community But I think in the country as a whole Um, People would benefit from that That level of camaraderie I think Oh I agree you wanna you wanna throw a bow on it? What do you think cutter did you have anything else that you wanted to add anything that i that I didn't ask that you think that I should any piece of important information that that you think should be out there
2: uh no i I definitely agree with you i just i think like i said the big the big drive for the company was bringing that camaraderie and kind of those old fashioned roots back. I feel like a lot of people are uh not not wanting to work and they're kind of getting divided and especially after covid and all of that stuff happened people were staying at home and and uh kind of isolated i guess so we're really just trying to bring bring back some of that hey let's get out there let's get together let's get it done kind of mindset
0: i love it it's needed it's awesome yeah it's necessary. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, if companies want to get in touch with you, if people want to help you in the journey, how do they do that? Website, social media, plug anything and everything that you'd like.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we partnered with a couple companies so far, which has been great. And we're, uh, we're working on a couple sponsored athletes. So if you're you're interested in something like that, please reach out. We, uh, we just did a post the other day. We're looking for affiliates and influencers. If you want to you wanna work with our company and you believe in the mission, want to make some extra money, hit us up. We're, uh, we're always looking for people to rep the brand, and, and we're paying for that. Um, I want to give a, a shout-out, actually, to uh, uh, Brian Stanley over at Stanley Combatatives in Maryland. He, uh, he just partnered with us as well. We're doing a big exclusive hoodie for them. So we work with other companies on just about every aspect. If you want something custom made, we did the logo, shirts, and hoodies for Seasick Blades, which was a Navy vet who's making custom daggers and kitchen knives and all sorts of stuff out in California. So if you need anything done, um, we can help out with that. If you want to support our mission or be a part of the team, please hit us up. We've got Facebook, Instagram. Um, if you just search Savage Americans for Facebook, our Instagram is savage underscore Americans. And then our website, straight up, savageamericans.com. It's it's really easy to get a hold of us. I've always got my phone with me. And uh, if I don't personally answer your message, one of the immediate guys will.
0: I love it, man. And uh, Justin, if they want to get in touch with you, I mean, they should be getting in touch with Cutter. They should. Obviously, and Savage Americans. But if for some reason they want to look at your fucking face, how do they do that? (laughs) You buy me a
1: jesus i'm sorry (laughs) justin's beautiful
0: no no it's fine very jealous of
1: his hair it's fine you can find me on instagram only it is justin underscore dl
0: project hell yeah and if you want to get in touch with the podcast we are at the do life project on instagram and the tiktok and we're gonna get better at tiktok yeah we get some ideas again
1: we we told you january and we meant it yeah
0: january yeah, yeah, we did say that. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, we also have the website at thedulifeproject.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, I am at joshua underscore does underscore life on Instagram, at joshua does underscore life on Twitter. Check out Savage Americans. Check out savageamericans.com. Get involved and let's make a difference, man. Let's make a difference. I hope you all have a
1: magical day, whatever it is you're doing with your life. Bye.